What is this podcast you've stumbled across while you were trying to kill time and do something other than what you should be doing? Well, I'm glad you asked. You are tuned into Witch Car Weekly. You'll look back at the week that was all automotive things. We will be looking at all the hot topics, some very cool things, and let's be honest, there'll be some lukewarm things in there as well. My name is Daniel Gardner. I'm very happy to tell you that I will not be bearing the burden of Witch Car Weekly by myself. I will be joined each week by a representative of one of our thousands of magazine titles. Uh, this week, I'm very happy to be in the studio with Scott Newman, Motor Mag Associate Editor. Scott, how are you, sir? Very well, thank you, Daniel. We're also in a very confined space. There's probably regulations to do with this kind of thing. Uh, by Andy Enright, Wheels Mag Deputy Editor. Thank you for being with us. Good day. You don't have to wave at the microphone, Andy. You can't see that. Uh, and also completing the quartet of motoring wizards, we have Scott Taylor, Street Machine Deputy Editor. Scott. G'day, guys. And he's got a wizard's beard as well. He's got a wizard's beard and he's got thongs for the sake of those who are not present. <laughs> Wizard thongs. On today's chat, we will be looking at things going on at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. We'll also be looking at something called Summonats, and we'll be having a review of our 2019 wish list, all the cars we can't wait for. Um, and we may even have a look, if we have time, at a car we've all driven, the Mercedes-AMG 53 Coupe, but more about that later. Before we go on, this is the inaugural Which Car Weekly podcast. What is it? What is it all about? Why are we doing this, guys? We're going to be doing the podcast because... It's a cool, low-key, sort of casual way, I think, to talk about everything that's happening in the automotive world each week. Lots of news happens, and we all write for our websites and magazines and stuff like that. But you have thoughts that maybe you can't or it's not appropriate to share, you know, in a short news piece or something. So we can hopefully tell people a little bit about what happens behind the scenes, maybe. Just how much stuff are you saying is inappropriate that was discussed within the walls of the magazine publication? You know, yeah. Is there a lot of inappropriate stuff? or oh, Sometimes. Well, let's hope so. We go, we go irreverent to just downright inappropriate. All right. right. Yeah, my demented ramblings normally get edited out of the magazine, so <laughs> I figured this was as good a medium as any for them. Um, okay, well, with that as our very format and the benchmark and our core principle, I suppose it's time to move on. All right. Now, over the last week, and still ongoing, I believe, uh, there is something happening in uh, the US of States, I think it's called, a place called Las Vegas, where people go to basically lose all their money and lose their minds and try and... Their and their morals. And, yes, yes, and try and forget everything that happened. There is a show happening called the Consumer Electronics Show, or CES, and it's uh, a venue where a lot of increasingly um, manufacturers, automotive manufacturers, are showcasing their new technology because this is the way the world is going now. I mean, there's a lot of tech in new cars. Um, one of the first that we should look at probably is the Mercedes Vision Urbanetic, which is, Scott, I believe, some kind of autonomous vehicle? It is. So CES is, you know, the Consumer Electronics Show, so manufacturers tend to showcase the electronic side of their vehicles and the buzzword of course at the moment is autonomous cars and autonomous vehicles uh we've all got various thoughts and opinions on this but mercedes offering this year is the vision urbanetic it's urbanetic it's called a bit of a mouthful uh it's essentially an autonomous people mover concept right so that doesn't sound particularly exciting, but... <laughs> well, yeah, okay, did you read my face expression there and go, yeah, Dan's fourth <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> Wake up, everybody. Why should we be interested in this? 
Because I think this will be where maybe we first see autonomy. Interesting to see other people's thoughts on this, but it's a little box essentially that comes along and can pick you up kind of like a taxi or a bus and takes you to your destination so it's designed as obviously a zero emissions thing for cities basically you know you hail it kind of like an uber i guess and then it takes you to a venue and you don't have to worry about driving it you don't have to worry about traffic you don't have to worry about you know you can sit back and relax with your friends and yeah let it do the work its big thing is creating informed trust that's a quote informed trust so a lot of the research seems to be that people are very skeptical about autonomous vehicles and self-driving cars and i understand that because i am a huge skeptic. you're one of them i am <gasps> oh god i have my tinfoil hat on <laughs> um so this is designed to basically help people learn so help mercedes learn about what people feel when they're in an autonomous vehicle and make people feel at ease being driven by you know, electrons essentially. Things like it has lights at the front. So if it that doesn't front, sound particularly revolutionary, by the way, it doesn't. But like, these I've, ones, I've noticed that a lot of cars on the road also have lights at the front. <laughs> yeah, some people even use them. This is this is revolutionary stuff. <laughs> but these ones light up when that recognises a pedestrian. Oh. So if an autonomous vehicle is coming towards you and you're about to step out into the street and you're like, has this thing seen me or not? So the front of it lights up to go. Hello, pedestrian. I recognise you, and I accept that you are about to walk out in front Isn't of me. That, that's so lovely. And then so, it runs you over. Yeah. No. So it flashes um, you before running you it over. It does. <laughs> this is sounding all kind of wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So little things like that that it tries to create a feeling of well-being for people to go about their business. For me, I suppose this has greatest relevance because I think the general consensus, especially something else we should mention this week, is that there have been some very um, well-versed people in the industry who have come out and said that level five autonomy, which is cars that can handle all situations, all weather types, all circumstances, will never happen. That is a conversation topic worth discussing ad nauseum uh, another time. Mm -hmm. But in light of that, I think probably we have to look at what is the most feasible scenario for autonomous vehicles. And personal transport is probably the least likely mm -hmm. group, however, public transport, is a more achievable game, I think. Absolutely. What do you think, Andy? Where, where do you see the autonomous vehicle rollout heading? Well, you know, I've been driven up to the airport in uh, in cars to, to fly away on press launches, and the driver in the car, I've, I've often reflected, is the only thing that is stopping me breaking wind all the way to the airport <laughs> or, 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 or picking my nose all the way there. And I, I can just envisage this wonderful freedom in, a, in an autonomous pod that you get into but that no, nobody else is there. You, you know, if, if somebody else is there, that would, that would utterly ruin the experience for me. How, how many people can sit in this thing? And how many methane sensors are there? <laughs> <laughs> it's a people mover concept. So I believe, I assume it's seven. I haven't actually looked at the exact, okay. it doesn't say yeah. how many seats yeah. are in it. Uh, maybe they're just bench seats, like a 70 series Land Cruiser. That would be a deal breaker for me if anyone else was there. Okay, so for you, for you, the autonomous vehicle, the, the uh, promise of it is that you can be full home spec Andy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't even have to wear clothes, really. Yeah, do I? just scratch your nether regions. <laughs> I mean, these are, these are all these are very innocent things that Andy likes to do by himself. But the one that we really must touch on, if I can forgive me for giving this a more serious spin, um, are you allowed to drink and ride in an autonomous vehicle? I mean, that's the only thing that's going to sell it to me. Yeah, well, I think we've got a very good insight into your respective uh, 
<laughs> priorities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dan wants to just get smashed, you know, and Andy wants, wants to, to make be it, naked. And Andy wants to be naked and you know completely. Um, dissolve the point of a zero emissions vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> neither of which lend themselves very well to the vehicle slamming on its brakes at a moment's notice and lighting the front up, do they? <laughs> That's right, because um, yeah, Mildred from down the street has wobbled out in front of it. So what we're saying is for now it's not going to work. Okay, uh, Andy, tell us about Audi's thing at CES. They have something to do with virtual reality in cars? Yeah, I, I was basically intrigued with this. Uh, they, they got a bunch of... Uh, poor saps to sit in the back of an Audi e-tron and be driven around um, a racetrack in Las Vegas wearing virtual reality goggles. Now, um, I'm sure this would make most of us instantly vomit everywhere, which yeah. is... Uh, yeah, does it not? They were. All, they did actually feel quite sick yeah. afterwards, <laughs> despite the um, oh, the, no. the CEO of, of, of yeah work. of this of this venture um, claiming that because the virtual reality replicated the movement of the vehicle, it was no different to sitting in the back of the vehicle and looking out. But they all looked a bit green around the gills. Um, and to make things worse, they, they were watching something called. Um, Marvel's Avengers Rockets Rescue Run, which... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interject. I may be missing the point here. So they've gone through a racetrack and been driven around a racetrack, but they've put goggles on to have to watch a movie while being yeah, driven around the racetrack. In, sitting in the back. And what they're seeing on the virtual reality goggles mirrors the movement of the car. So if the car turns left hard, their spaceship um, in the future here, uh, Avengers Endgame, also turns left. So it's kind of like one of those big things that have seemed to have gone out of fashion a bit where you have like, it's on a, um, it's like a big pod, like the Batman ride at Dreamworld kind of, yes. you know, you've got that big pod or I've been in a skiing one and it sort of moves with it. But this one, the actual vehicle can move as well, which I suppose is the instigator of the motion sickness. Yeah, they're, they're envisaging all sorts of um, revenue opportunities for this. Um, but what's it for? Like, why would someone want this? Well, that's puzzled me as well. So what we have established is the first two topics we've discussed from CES, neither of them work and have any relevance in our current... Well, if you're interested in pebble dashing the back of the seat in front of you, I, I think it's, there's, there's a lot of merit in it. But, um, well, if they then do that to Mercedes, so then you could have seven people vomiting profusely in the back of a vehicle. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's the way forward. <laughs> Um, well, I was going to talk Save about... Save us, Dan. Save us. Well, I was going to, because um, Hyundai uh, have also come up with a couple of things at CES this year, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Uh, the first thing was an augmented reality windscreen. Not the first time we've seen this as a concept, but they've just taken it a little bit further. It seems like the technology is getting there. So this is basically, they project images onto the screen uh, that imposes it in the right place that appears to place the images over your real world you're looking at through the front of the car. And this is this is exciting stuff because you can uh, put like navigation instructions over the, the things that you're, rather than taking them from a screen that's down in the dash, taking your eyes off the road, it'll actually put them, and now this goes one step ahead of uh, just head-ups to displays, which give you information in your line of sight. What this does is it actually imposes the images over what you're really seeing. Now that to me is potentially very exciting because imagine the stuff you could get. I mean, first of all, my mind immediately goes to hacking. So, yeah. I mean, I would just love to be able to put up some spoof images like and make someone feel as though they've basically been on a mind-altering substance whenever they're in a Hyundai. I love that idea. Just projected massive 
cliff edge yeah. right in front of them. <laughs> um, we, I mean, look, it's it, this. I feel is one of the most exciting pieces of technology and that we can potentially see really on the horizon of production cars at this stage. I, I think. T- I tell you a thought that's just occurred to me, which may. Oh no. No, no, this is actually a good thought. This is a serious thought. Okay, good, yeah. But for someone who enjoys driving, as we all do, that would be perfect for, like, a lap training tool. Because oh, you know yeah. how you, you play, like, a racing game yeah, and it yeah. can have the, you know, tells you where to brake and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I don't see why there would be any reason why you couldn't put that and it would have the right line on the track and the braking and acceleration markers projected under the windscreen. Okay, yes. I love that idea, but now we're getting into this, this tenuous territory where... We are allow. We could potentially allow taking that idea onto the road. We could allow people who are just really bad at driving to start driving properly because you can say, yeah. "Well, normally you turn here and hit the curb, whereas now turn here." Is that a bad you, thing? Well, I think it is because people should be equipped with the right skills to get into a car, and not have to rely on these systems. But Nissan also showed uh, a technology at CES, invisible to visible, which a bunch of Nissan cars, in effect, talk to each other wirelessly, and you can see from your car when another car is coming across an intersection it projects a a wireframe of that car coming out behind vehicles or other cars so you know the the merging of those two technologies could be really interesting that you can see cars that are out of sight approaching you projected onto your windscreen would you start pretty cool i would you start wandering around the world when you're not in the car wondering why you can't predict things yeah you know you got it kind of like why can't i see stuff coming around corners anymore you know why why don't i have this sixth sense it would just be terrible you'd you'd always want to be in your car yeah can i just say that uh, this has some real real world uh, opportunities for country driving in Australia. Like a lot of us obviously drive around the city a lot of the time, but uh, I've done some big country road trips recently in some of our project cars. And when you're driving at night in Australia, you're really taking your life in your own hands with some of the, uh, well, the fauna out there. So um, yeah, you get a kangaroo, old Skippy comes running out from the side. If this can predict that, you know, with, you know, they're hiding in the trees and if it can identify and predict that, I know it's a slightly more boring thing than what you guys have been no, talking no, no. about. No, 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 100% other Scott. I think that is absolutely, totally relevant. As we all know, you know, rural driving is among the most hazardous. You know, we're talking long distances at dark. Um, yeah, 100%. I think this is where this really has the most potential. It's interesting that I recently went on the... Um new B-Class launch, and they had a little virtual reality thing there that showed you how far a car is sort of looking around you now, like the latest sort of car with all the radar sensors and all that sort of thing, and it's amazing. It's like, you know, half a kilometre ahead and 60 metres either side. I believe kangaroos are very difficult to map or something. Remember mm. Volvo was yeah. saying, you know, yeah. um, but if, you know, if they can do it, I don't see why it can't, uh, you know, combine that with night vision, which is in a few cars now, you might be able to, yeah, have a little augmented display of a little, at least a little red object saying, hey, I've sensed, sensed something that's moving over there. Be careful. So that would be, yeah, be fantastic. Can you imagine what a shocker it would be if, if you're, there you are with your little virtual reality goggles on playing Marvel's Avengers, Rocket's Rescue Run and a... A kangaroo came through the windscreen. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, people will be wondering the, the blurred lines between actual reality and whether you know you have genuinely just mowed down a kangaroo. I did say something actually on the project last night, which I'll—it's a very quick aside. Someone was um, wearing virtual reality goggles and playing Battlefield or some one of those games, and they've dropped a grenade and they've panicked. And they've just taken off and, dri- and, and run at full speed straight into the mantelpiece. 
and knock themselves out. Oh, wonderful. It brings back images of uh, Bizkit, the sleepwalking dog. If you've not seen him, then des- definitely go on the internet and find that immediately. There's a whole rabbit hole on the internet of mums wearing virtual reality <laughs> goggles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's not so lose this any- is the future. Let's not lose any more time to that. Um, we must move on, but before we do, we have some very exciting news that I would like to announce here. You may or may not have heard um, that we have a TV series starting. And, Tell me more. And if you're listening to this podcast uh, very soon after we we upload it, then you have time to see the first episode of Witch Car TV. It's coming to your to your televisions on Channel 10 at 4 p.m. Uh, on Sunday afternoons, and the very first one will be coming to your screens uh, on January the 13th. This, that is this Sunday. So so this is this is our new TV series. It starts. It combines all of the uh, combined genius of our various mastheads, and we will be bringing you the very best from. Uh, from the automotive world uh, and it's visual so rather than just having to listen to us you'll actually be able to see what we get up to in our day jobs moving pictures what amazing world i mean why this we're talking about consumer electronics show wow an image you can watch that isn't the real actual real world television right we're moving on now to a subject that actually makes my blood run slightly cold and makes me want to be far away from our nation's capital every year um scott please do tell us everything about summonats 32 well street machine summonats i mean in 32 years we've been partnered with summonats and it's been 32 glorious years obviously it's changed in that time i mean it's uh got a bit of a reputation back in the day and well, like you say uh, some people would avoid Canberra for that time but now it's very much cleaner and uh, still 2,000 cars 2,000 modified cars and a hundred thousand people coming through the gates over the course of the four-day weekend it is massive and uh, it is just a great celebration of everything automotive especially the modified automotive scene so yeah it's just so a in, lot of fun. In summary, what is Summonats all about? Is it just modified cars? Is it going fast? Is it building a, a tower the size of your car out of empty beer cans? What is it? I mean, I, I, for someone who... I, I, no one's going to be surprised to hear this at all. I've never been to Summonats, okay, because I value my life more than that. First of all, do I have to be scared? And if I don't, then what can I expect when I go? You sh- definitely shouldn't be scared. Uh, you won't be crushed by a tower of empty big hands. Um, they haven't done that for a few years now. They used to do cardboard fantasy parades and that sort of thing where you, you build your dream car out of cardboard and drive it around an oval. Uh, they don't do that anymore. Yeah, because that's uh, what I did at school. I mean, if they were doing <laughs> that, then like... <laughs> it was always a bit of a weird thing back in the day. But, uh, you know, there's the, uh, the Burnout Masters is a massive thing like Jake Myers won this year and he is the son of a former Burnout Master so it's a generational thing and he won $15,000 for doing a you know a two minute burnout basically but obviously the skill level these guys I've been out there and I'll tell you what it is frightening trying to do a burnout in front of thousands of people and it's just yeah I'd, I I I really couldn't do it to the level that those guys can do it. I mean, at this level, what uh, differentiates a good one from a bad one? Instant smoke, constant smoke, driver control. These are all things that are judged in the burnout pad. And uh, I tell you what, when you're doing it with a thousand horsepower under your right foot and trying to keep it off these, you know, three-ton concrete walls. The walls are made up of these three-ton concrete blocks. And uh, if you screw up, there is nowhere to go. There's a couple guys found out this year. And uh, Go on. 
Oh yeah, there was some big, big accents, and from some big names in the scene too. Right, because so, yeah. that's the thing they do the, the thing called the tip in now, I believe, and that's the rear wheels are spinning at like two hundred more kilometers an hour. So you are actually, even though people think about a burnout, I think is maybe like a static thing. You are at some points carrying, I imagine, pretty serious speed. Right. With the tip-in, I mean, like I said, wheel speed is well over 200 k's an hour, and your actual speed can be 60, 70, even more, going into a basically a concrete box. So you're tipping a car, a two-ton car, into a concrete box at you know 60, 70 kilometres an hour. The walls aren't that far away. Yeah, it, things can go wrong very quickly, and then obviously a lot of these cars run on methanol, which can ignite. You know, very easily in 35 degree temperatures. I hear a lot of the people that attend summer nights each year also run on methanol. <laughs> and that's how they get through the full weekend, I think. You are correct. Yeah, you okay. are correct. Yeah. So, yeah. so, Scotty, um, we've seen, probably most people have seen videos of those cars on fire and stuff. What what creates a car on fire? Is it rubber? That, well, like, how does it ignite? It is, a, it is a good question. And there's been a lot of theories. Um, part of it is exhaust systems storing the methanol and then pumping it all out because uh, a lot of these cars have to run a, a, a fairly full exhaust on them uh, wheels you know like steel belts and the wheels can help ignite the rubber after a certain period plus it gets up to temp i find just from my experience in filming burnouts for you know 15 years that when the temperatures get above 35 degrees you see a lot more burnout fires than you would do at say you know 25 so um yeah, like, I think there's a whole bunch of different factors. Um, I've seen guys fully seal the ex exhaust system. If they find there's an exhaust leak somewhere and it's drawing in any air, that causes fires. I've heard all sorts of different theories People on that. People like the fires too, don't they? Oh, they do. They get the out and they're screaming, yeah. yeah the punters like it. The drivers, you know, they'll get out and celebrate and then lament the fact that they have to spend $50,000 fixing the paint on their car and right. everything else that goes with that. And you're talking some serious fires, so it's turned into quite a serious situation in that uh, now the photographers standing near the wall have to wear fire suits. Oh, you wow. know, you, they have a massive fire team there to put out the fires and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's... And the concrete walls have certainly uh, helped control the fires, keep them within that burnout pad area where it used to be just Armco guardrail and uh, I've had fire come past my feet you know, in you know, standing there filming these things. So, Were you wearing your safety footwear again? Uh, yeah, I'm, I am in thongs. Summonats mode with my safety thongs on at the moment. No, <laughs> but back in the day, I, I had the full safety of a KT26 uh, sneaker. So Dunlop KT26s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Summonats is a big thing. And I mean, obviously, it's not just about burnouts. There's, you know, you're cruising, your dyno. The dyno was massive there this year. I don't know if you guys saw anything from the dyno, but they actually invited... Maurice Fabietti with his top door slammer, so supercharged Hemi, 500 plus cubes. This car runs, you know, high fives down the quarter. So it is a seriously quick car. And then put it up against Dale Hellier's twin turbo Commodore, which runs, you know, in the six second area. So they're both very quick cars. Now, it was turbo versus blower. So Dale put out 3,076 horsepower. Wow. Versus the top door slammers, 299... Uh, sorry, 2,998 or something. That is that's, that's almost enough. 
Almost. <laughs> yeah, totally. At some point, you've got to say how much is too much. But when that supercharger on uh, Maurice Fabietti's coming to full boost, full RPM, the lights in the ceiling were jiggling around like, you know, some of those uh, Las Vegas girls that you see. Um, yeah, they, there there's a lot of movement going on. I guess you'd need a pretty serious dyno to... Yeah, yeah, what's the limit at which they can actually record? Cause yeah, so these are the first time they've fused hub dynos at Summonet, so they bolt directly to the hub. So it wasn't tyres on rollers, it was bolting it directly to the axles and then you know, it's rotating, and the dyno actual boxes were bolted to the floor as well. So they need to be. I'm surprised they didn't turn camber upside down. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a serious amount of horsepower. And then you think about, all right, say they drag cars, it's hard to relate, but then we had Bubba. So Bubba Medlin, he's a former drag challenge winner. So Street Machine Drag Challenge is this event where we get guys to drive, you know, and race at five tracks in five days and they have to drive their cars from track to track in street registered cars. And some of those cars are deep into the seven second area. So we're talking some seriously quick street cars. So Bubba's won that event. So he took his car to Summonats this year, put it on the dyno and made 2,484 horsepower. I mean... This is a streetcar, and powered by Holden V8, of all things. Oh, doesn't it make you proud? Yeah. I mean, and something that made me immensely proud was, you know, all this power they're generating in the nation's capital. Why couldn't we just plumb this into the national grid somehow? <laughs> yeah. I mean, then, then we'd be winning fans on all sides of the fence as well, wouldn't we? Um, thank you so much for the review of Summonats 32 there, Scott. Absolutely wonderful. We all have to move on because there's one more thing I want to discuss uh, when we have just a few minutes left of the show this week. Um, it is the start of a new year. And we have a, a, a broad glimpse into the future of everything that's coming over the next 12 months. I wanted to just go around and just see uh, if anyone has anything that they're particularly looking forward to. It's a good time to do this at the start of the year. We can review it later and start talking about the cars as we get slowly work through them and if they were bitter disappointments or whether they're as exciting as you want. But what are you most looking forward to? We'll go over to Andy first on this one, I think. Um, I think the Suzuki Jimny. It's something I'd really like to get behind the wheel of. I love the old one. Have you been reading my notes? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have to think of something new, Dan. Um, and I think there's always a place for a simple, small, usable car. Um, so many cars these days are so, so complex that I think the Suzuki Jimny is, is a real breath of fresh air. The other car I would really, really like to drive this year is the McLaren 720 LT. That's the, the, the sublime to the ridiculous. That, yes. Because yep. you guys have both driven the 720S, haven't yes, you? And so have. now this is the new version, which is a bit longer, a bit more powerful, a bit lighter. Uh, so basically you're ta it's, it's taking balmy to utterly ridiculous. Yes, it hasn't officially been announced yet, but as sure as eggs are eggs, that thing is coming. And the 720S, it brings hypercar performance into that supercar price bracket. Nothing touches it for the money in terms of speed, and the LT is just going to be bizarre. There's a mob in the Middle East called Akanu Racing. They're on Instagram if you look at them, and um, they um, have a 720S, which I think has just been tuned. Like, it hasn't got much more horsepower, but it's got probably drag slicks on it, but it's running 9.3 second quarter miles, and it's just like, wow. It's just... Again, coming back to the whole, that's a street car. That's totally okay to drive it on the road. Scott, what are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to two cars, uh, Toyota Supra. People who know me know that I like going sideways and it seems Toyota have made the Supra probably almost purpose-built to go sideways. Uh, it's small, it's not much bigger than an 86, I think it's even shorter than an 86 which is kind of small and compact, it's got a lovely BMW Turbo 6 in it, 
should have, if the 86 is anything to go by, same engineer in charge of that. It should be fantastic to drive, great steering. I can't wait to drive it. The other one is the Ford Fiesta ST. Ford Australia is hanging on to this a little bit. They're trying to get the spec right. They've got to wait there for, for their production slot, which is a bit annoying because everything we've read out of Europe says this car is amazing. The last one was amazing. Like Andy says with the Jimny, it's got this cool little one. Um, it's kind of a simple car. It's got this little 1.5 litre three pot turbo, which uh, should sound amazing. Should lift off oversteer all day. It should uh, be a yeah. fantastic little car to drive. Coming from you, that is exactly what you'll be focusing on. Scott yes. Newman, the man who needs windscreen wipers on his side windows as well as the front one. As Sometimes well. on the rear as well. If you um, other Scott, anything coming this year that you're particularly looking forward to? You're allowed to say something that doesn't exist yet that's currently being built. That's totally fine. Jeez, put me on the spot there. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to reveal any of the top secret projects that are coming for Street Machine this year in Carnage. That's, uh, oh, no, we have a pretty exciting project coming, which is a Volvo 240 with a 1JZ in it, which uh, should be very exciting. And then obviously I'm going to take Turbo Taxi out on Friday to Calder Park and see if we can run 10s with our LPG-powered Melbourne what's Taxi. The, what's the current... It is, you've got something like 11.00001 or something, isn't it? 11.01. Wow. <laughs> so you is... don't have much improvement to go? No. Drive it naked and I think you'll be there. <laughs> Andy will do it for you. <laughs> um, I am looking very much forward to, very quickly, uh, one of my favourite supercars, the Lamborghini Huracan. Um, when I drove that car the first time, not for a second did I think this is a little bit slow and could require a bit more power not for a second did I think it could be a touch lighter and definitely did I not think it could be any sexier and yet they've gone and made one which is called the Evo and it's all of those things and I will be in Bahrain at the end of this month to drive that and I cannot wait to tell you what it's all about humble Ge brag gentlemen thank you so much for joining me for our inaugural Witch Car Weekly podcast um, hopefully you will join us again in the near future well I mean as the name suggests it's going to be in a week so yeah see you then uh, if you want to get in touch with us please do um, you can go via the website our social medias there's witchcar.com.au and of course if you happen to be near a television this Sunday then tune into channel 10 at 4 o'clock in the afternoon to catch our first ever TV series it's, it's a year of fresh starts and new exciting things and we hope you come along with us for the ride my name is Daniel Gardner and we will tune in again and listen to your thoughts hopefully all again next week